I'm Lisa Calhoun, founding general partner at Valor Ventures, an Atlanta venture capital firm, and your host for the podcast today. We have a really special guest, founder and CEO, Jasmine Crow of Gooder. She is an amazing founder with an incredible story. Jasmine, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I am so excited to catch up with you. For people who don't know about Gooder, please share what you do and, and why you do it. Well, we are a food management company and we help businesses re- redistribute their excess food from landfill to people in need. Um, but post-COVID, we've been doing a lot of work to get food directly to people. Uh, so I like to say that we're solving two of the world's greatest problems, and that's hunger and food waste, and we're using technology to do it. And I think, you know, why it's important is just, you know, like I said, I mean, these are, these are two really big problems that no one can overlook um, and that have sadly existed for, for too long. And so we really want to be the ones that can solve it. Well, you're definitely one of the stars in the Atlanta innovation ecosystem. You're also working nationally with clients in multiple states. I'd like you to go back, if you would, to the beginning. You know, a lot of our listeners are founders. Many of them are working somewhere else. They have a side hustle or they just launched. COVID is making things really challenging. When you go back to your earliest days of the business, what did you do that you think helped create some of the success at good? Or what are some things that like, if you were talking to your younger self, you would say, yes, good, good. Do more of that. Well, I think what I did is I took a lot of meetings, you know, I would meet with anybody that would be willing to meet with me. And I was very um, aware of the fact that I didn't know everything. And I think that that's super important early on, you know, I think you, if I knew nothing else, I knew my business. I knew the problem that I was solving. I knew why it was important. So I didn't know that, like, you know, I felt like I had done so much research, you know, I would read reports and, you know, journals, Harvard Business Journal and everything I could on hunger and food waste. And I would read about it in other countries. And so I really educated myself beyond just what I saw by actually cooking and feeding people on a personal level here in Atlanta. I really spent a lot of time educating myself on what hunger looked like worldwide and what was being done to solve it all over the country. Um, so that was the thing that I think is so important is just, you know, when we are in the startup space, we're solving a problem. And the best thing that you've got to be able to do is know the problem that you're solving. So a lot of research there. I'm um, again, knowing that I didn't know everything, I took advantage of all the free resources I could. So I went to a Y Combinator startup school that they, you know, the, the little classes and videos that were offered on YouTube. And I would study those. And, you know, in the wee hours of the morning, I would be looking and trying to understand customer discovery and value propositions and really learning terminology that, quite frankly, I had never heard. And then the same people that I mentioned, like the Jewel Burks and people that had been founders before and operators. I would ask to meet with them. And, you know, I'm not a morning person, but sometimes they'd be like, can you meet with me at 8 a.m. for breakfast? You know, and I'd be like, sure. Like, you know, because I knew that I needed to work on their time frame. So I think those are some of those early things that I did to kind of give myself an edge up, if you will. It's just I spent a lot of time trying to learn it. Well, and you also you have a lot of experience in it. So how much experience did you have cooking for and feeding people? before you decided to build a business around it? Yeah, I mean, I had been cooking for people out of my kitchen since 2013. Um, and so doing that every, every week or every other week, depending on just like, you know, the donations and the food that I had. Um, so yeah, I think that was kind of the biggest thing that I really did. 
an incredible base of experience. And then you made a decision to get financing for your company. And I know that one of the decisions you made was to choose venture capital. How did you come to that decision? Uh, and what would you say to founders who were looking for scaling their business and you know, venture capital, is it a good path? Is it, a, is it an okay path? What, what would you advise? I mean, if I could do it all over again, I probably wouldn't go and seek venture capital. I think that's just, you know, the, the truth of the matter for me. I think, you know, scaling a software company especially does take a lot of money. Um, so I know that that's important, but I think you also, you know, you give up a piece of your company and oftentimes you're giving up a part of your company to people who don't really care about you as a, as a founder. Um, you know, I, I often talk about like sending investor updates and, you know, I think I have uh, eight investors on my cap table, including one accelerator, and I may get one response to my investor updates, you know? So a lot of times just asking for help or asking for connections, it just, it doesn't happen that way. Um, and so that's an unfortunate part of it. If I really would have thought about it before, I would have really tried to get more customers um, and really just tried to bootstrap for as long as I could. I think I ultimately ended up needing to get funding uh, because I realized that I couldn't build the technology without the capital, uh, that it was just too expensive. And so I used pitch competitions for the first year and used all that money to build like that first iteration, that first V1, if you will, of the technology. And then it was like, well, how am I going to pay myself? How am I going to hire people to kind of help me build this? So all those questions were the ones that I couldn't answer. And that's ultimately what I think made me go after uh, fundraising you know, from Georgia. You know, I'm glad you brought up your customers. I'm going to ask you for some of your, your secret recipe to attracting a strong enterprise customer. But first, I want you to brag a little bit about your customer growth. I know it's all out on Twitter, but you have done an amazing job landing some really strong contracts. Could you share with the listeners a little bit about um, you know, some of your wins, some of your big successes on the customer side? Yeah, I mean, some of our largest customers happen to be, you know, the Georgia World Congress Center. It's the third largest convention center in North America, uh, the Atlanta airport. So those are kind of some of our early wins. Um, enterprise customers, Gooder has been fortunate to work with, um, include SAP, EY, where we're working in several of their campuses. And obviously, many of them have closed, but we still have opportunities to work with them when they come back. Um, we also work with WeWork. So WeWork is one of our largest customers on our organics recycling services. Um, and since, you know, the start of COVID, we've been really fortunate enough to work and sell to a lot of governments and uh, counties. And so we have worked with the city of Atlanta, Fulton County, DeKalb County, Cobb County, um, Atlanta Public Schools, um, Fulton County Schools, uh, many more. Most recently, we landed a really great deal with Merck. Um, as well as Blue Cross Blue Shield. So we're starting to really get into the healthcare space. And th those are all amazing, you know, customers. They are. Yeah. Yes. That is, that is a blue chip list. And when you think yeah. about all of the food that you're diverting from waste and the waste stream into the actual mouths of hungry people, it's also such beautiful work. You are um, you are amazing. You are an entrepreneur and an angel, Jasmine. And so love, love following your story. And thank you so much for taking a little bit more time. Let's lean into those customer, that customer mojo you have. Um, a lot of founders tell me, and I know they probably tell you too, I don't know how to sell to customers like the list you just mentioned. What kind of advice do you have for pursuing some of those really big contracts that you successfully closed? 
Um, I think, you know, I definitely didn't know how to, to pursue a lot of those customers either. So make no mistake about it. It doesn't get easier. I think what we started to do is really have case studies. And I think that's so important. So having a strong case study um, for every customer that you get, you know, I think one thing I would really encourage founders to do is not do free pilots. And I think that was kind of one of the saving graces of Gooder is that I always knew I could never do anything for free because I didn't have the money to do it, you know? So I always had to charge something. And so even when I was first starting, before I had the technology, I had a price on the service because I knew once I had the technology, it was gonna cost. And I wanted customers to see the value early on in what it was that I was doing. And so when you're thinking about it and you're pitching pilots, you know, it should be a paid pilot because if nothing else, if they don't pay you for that pilot, chances are even if the pilot goes great, they're gonna try and, you know, nickel and dime you, um, you know, give you shitty payment terms, excuse my term, my uh, language there, but you wanna make sure that you're getting the best deal possible. Um, so those were some of the things that I was focused on, but I would also do a case study on every single customer that I got. And, you know, I had a good graphic designer that I worked with. And so when I would go out and try and talk to other customers or like even other airports that I'm still trying to sell to now, I have these case studies on the Atlanta airport or other convention centers. I have this case study and I'm really able to show, you know, why working with Gooder is so powerful. Um, and then testimonials, I think is really big in that you can get a testimonial from one of your customers. Um, that's, that's what you really need, you know, because that's when they're, they become your biggest champions. And I would definitely speak to uh, customers like the airport, you know, they were, they would be willing to do any kind of media interviews for me. They would give me great testimonials. They would talk to other customers. They would talk to investors. So, you know, really making sure that you kind of go above and beyond, I think makes it uh, just important, you know, so just those things matter. So even if you get one customer, knowing that that one customer can lead you to many more customers is a thing you got to never forget. How do you ask a customer for a testimonial? How do you go about it? Yeah, I think, you know, up front early on that I might ask for a, a testimonial. Like, you know, so I think it's so that it's not a surprise to them. So I'm very much like, hey, I may need a testimonial, we're, we're fundraising, I'm gonna need you to talk to some investors, would that be something you'd be willing to do? And most of the time everyone's like, yeah, of course, Jasmine, anything you need. So a lot of times it's just asking. Um, and then again, when you're doing those case studies, you know, we have developed a list of questions that we ask every customer. And so we use it as a, almost as a way as like a pilot review or like a, a customer review, like, hey, we're checking in with all of our customers. Can I get, you know, 15 to 30 minutes of your time? And then when I go through those questions, oftentimes I'll say, can I record this? Or would I be able to use that testimonial in a case study? And they'll often say like, yes, of course. And so just asking those questions and learning as much as you can about your customer is critical. That is an awesome masterclass. <laughs> Get it out front. You're obviously a CEO who's selling. You know, customers know that it's Jasmine. Um, that's, that's really amazing. And that's great advice. So a lot of times I like to encourage founders to use this platform because it's not all founders who are listening. We also have corporate leaders. We have influencers. We have, you know, investors and people like that. What are you looking for in the next couple of quarters ahead? What are some of the exciting things around your growth? And maybe even some companies that you're trying to get into, put it out there. You never know. A listener might be able to make the right connection. 
yeah, I think Gooder really is now trying to look at what it looks like to work with more governments at scale. I think, you know, COVID actually opened that up to us. And one of the things going back to investors and that they don't always know everything early on, you know, I had had government agencies in like large scale state universities is like one of those primary customer groups that I wanted to sell to. And so many investors said, oh man, you know, if I would take that out of your deck, no investors ever want to know that you're selling to governments because they take so they take forever to close. And, you know, you got to go after these enterprise customers, ones that you can close quicker. And so we started seeing like, you can actually close government customers. There are RFPs out there. There are people that are looking for your services. And so that's the thing that I'm really excited about now is, you know, selling to more government agencies. And we've really created some new programs and built some new products. Uh, that are allowing us to serve people at scale. Uh, of course, we're still looking forward to, you know, getting back into the enterprise swing of things post-COVID when all of this ends and, you know, people go back to work. What does that look like? So are we, are we serving the large-scale enterprise customers? Are we getting into, you know, hospitals, uh, schools? Where is the food going to go? Because the food will always be there. Uh, so we're really looking forward to seeing, like, what does life look like after COVID for good or um, but we, you know, we have some really great customers that we had already signed up, uh, some stadiums, some arenas, have a really great deal with the NBA. Uh, so we're, we're working with some really key players. Um, and we're just kind of waiting it out, <laughs> but we definitely think governments is going to be a big, big part of uh, good or going forward. And so we're really excited about that. Very exciting. When you say government, are you thinking, is it state, county, hospital? Oh, you know, you mentioned hospitals, but it, let's throw some names out there. Yeah, I think we'd love to work with states. We'd love to work with city governments, counties, um, you know, anybody that wants to say, I mean, I'm really looking for one city to say, we don't want anybody to go hungry in this city. And this is what we're putting forth. These are the programs we're interested in. And they're looking for a company who can bring something to the table. And Gooder has those. We have those plans. We've done these case studies. We've presented a really compelling case study to Atlanta Public Schools on making sure that students have food while they're learning um, virtually. And so seeing a lot of this being implemented over the next two weeks is going to be eye-opening for us. Um, but it's also, you know, it's, it's world-changing. And, and it's something that we could take to other cities and other counties and say, look, this worked in Atlanta. You know, let's do this in Washington, D.C. Let's do this in Chicago. Let's do this in Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee. And so those are the things that I think are really uh, key. Also, we're really looking to work with food distributors. I think that there's a big opportunity there. Uh, the way that hunger has been solved for generations um, is one way, you know, and it's, it's always just through the food banks and it's always through, you know, donating to these massive nonprofit organizations. But we have, we're a B Corp, we're four people for a planet for profit. Um, and we believe that we have another solution and that if given the opportunity uh, to work with food distributors at scale, we can actually help them manage and measure their waste, help them in hunger at scale, and really make sure that nothing um, ever goes to waste and change the way that hunger has been ended, I mean, has been solved, or should I say pacified uh, for many years. Pacified is a good word. So Jasmine, real, real, real talk, is it possible for Atlanta to end hunger within Atlanta? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I think 100% it's possible to end hunger within Atlanta. And um, you think Gooder, in what kind of time frame would that be possible? I mean, you know, seeing what we've done now, I think that there's so many touch points where, you know, having like the food delivery, I think that's the biggest thing that's been the most eye-opening to me. There are, for every Amazon Prime, Instacart shipped, 
there is 10 there are 10 people that can't afford that who are unbanked they don't have a, a credit card or a debit card uh, they live in a food desert um, they're not techno technologically savvy they could be a senior citizen who would never be able to go on an app or a computer and order food so there's this huge segment of people that are left out we think food delivery is going to only grow and that gooder has a big opportunity to allow food delivery to solve hunger for people who otherwise still can't get out of their houses don't have transportation um, and lack access to getting to, to food banks and food pantries which it, again has been the the constant solve for years you know the food bank delivers food to these nonprofit organizations and churches and then people go there and get whatever gets delivered to them but it's not um, cohesive of something that can actually make a meal we're gooder with technology and just with people to people access has the ability to actually touch people and ask them you know what are the things that you eat and you don't eat are you low sodium do you have diabetes do you do you need to watch your sugar and we can create food packages for them and get them delivered to their doors i mean i get so many cards i mean I'm literally just coming in the office today i must have like 15 cards uh, that were mailed to me from people who are receiving food from us that are just like, this has changed my life. I've never, you know, I've been hungry. I've been food insecure all my life. I've never received food that was this good. Uh, so I think that food can, hunger can be solved in Atlanta. Um, it just takes, you know, it does take a huge buy-in of corporations and governments. You know, there's gotta be a merger of just saying not in my city. And I think that any city that is truthfully um, committed to that would be able to do that. You know, it's, if you think of all the changes that have been made, things that, you know, when we wanted to build a stadium in Atlanta, we found the billions of dollars that were necessary to do that. We brought, we brought land, you know, we moved churches, we moved mountains to make that happen. So anything that we want to do can be done. It just, it just matters if people ultimately want to solve hunger. And I think, you know, people like to talk about it and, and I don't know who really actually wants to solve it, but if nothing else, I know we can make a really big dent in it. Well, and I think a lot of people hear this side of, of what you do and they think of you as a charity, but you're not, you're for profit and you're actually helping your customers on a financial level. So um, if you wouldn't mind giving an overview, I'd love for people to realize why supporting Gooder as a customer is actually great for your bottom line and not just in a great for your heart because it is, but also great because financially you're, you're solving a huge accounting opportunity. Exactly. So, I mean, when using our technology and you're dealing with, again, Gooder sees ourselves as a food management company. And one of the things we manage is food waste. And so businesses are already throwing away a ton of food and they're paying a waste management company to do that. They're getting no insights on anything it is that they waste. Uh, so it's, you know, it's like they're paying to throw something good away where there could actually be tax incentives to that. Uh, beyond that, Gooder really focuses by not being a nonprofit. We really focus on economic development in every city that we operate in. Um, we pay people even at the lowest level. Um, no one starts at Gooder making less than $15 an hour. Uh, so we really like to be a company that feels good for people to work at and people take a lot of pride in doing that. So we're creating jobs. We're allowing businesses to see tax incentives that they otherwise have been throwing away for years. We also give them a lot of data and analytics on the things that they're constantly wasting so that they can actually make better uh, ordering decisions. And so that's one of the things that has surprisingly been like the big win for a lot of our customers is that they start to see like, hey, every single week we're wasting, you know, carrot and raisin salad. Like maybe this is something that we were making years ago uh, that doesn't matter anymore. And so like those are the things that I think are starting to happen um, with our technology that people are starting to really love. 
So for founders in Atlanta, what's your insight on Atlanta as an ecosystem to build a business in? Uh, you think Atlanta is great. Uh, why, do, why are you building your business in Atlanta? And do you think you're going to be staying here? Yeah, I mean, I love Atlanta. I think Atlanta is, you know, it was a lot more affordable when I moved here seven years ago. Um, but, you know, it's, it, I still think it's more affordable than like a New York, a Boston, a, you know, um, a Silicon Valley for certain. I think it's extremely diverse. And I think that that's extremely important, you know, to, to be able to see other founders that look like you as a, as a woman and as a person of color. Um, is certainly important. And then I think, um, you know, I would say I don't have any investors. I have two angel investors in Atlanta, but I don't have any venture investors here. But I do know that there's some really good funds that are coming up. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that'll be a good thing for, for other founders, that there will be somebody that they'll be able to raise from locally. Um, and I think that's the main thing that's missing. So, I mean, I think the encouragement for me on that is to encourage people to, like, invest in funds in Atlanta uh, so that they can invest in founders in Atlanta. I think that's important. I think that's really important. And I want to take the chance to thank you for being a keynote. It's a while, March 4th, but at Startup Runway, which is all about introducing underrepresented founders who are leading their firms to their first check writing investor. And at our last Startup Runway, um, we had over 50 first check writing investors who were looking for an underrepresented founder to back. Uh, one in three of our finalists raise a seed round within about six months. So having your voice there and your real lived experience is going to mean a lot. And I just wanted to say thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, before I let you go, um, I want to get your wisdom on who in Atlanta do you feel that founders should really connect with. These are people that, from your experience, they've made a difference in you. They may not be the ones who's, who everyone knows their name, and maybe they are, but you would give a shout out and say, get to know these people, connect with these people if you're building in Atlanta. Yeah, I definitely would say, um, you know, if you're building a social impact startup, so very similar to like what Gooder is, uh, I think Joey Womack is really a good person to know. He's just a huge champion. Um, and, you know, he runs Goody Nation. He also runs the WeWork Labs here in Atlanta. Um, I just think he's a great person. I think, you know, Jewel Burks is another one who was really helpful to me um, early on, who was, you know, one of those people that would meet with me and, and you know, give me the advice uh, that was just really solid. And I would take all the advice that she would give to me. And she would say, Jasmine, you know, you should talk to this many customers or you should do this. And I would literally write those things down and, and go after them and go and meet these people and go and do the tasks that she gave me. So I think those are just some of the people I would recommend to talk to for sure. Awesome. Well, Thank you for sharing your time. Congratulations on your strong and growing business. Um, I look forward to getting updates and seeing it continue to succeed. You are an amazing visionary founder. I'm so proud to even know you. So thank you so much for your time, Jasmine. Thanks so much. Have a good one. You too. This podcast is produced by Valor Ventures as a service to the startup and investor community. We couldn't do it without the support of our sponsors, Atlanta Tech Park, the Global Accelerator, and Right to Market, Atlanta's favorite tech and healthcare PR marketing firm. Please patronize these great companies with your business and check them out online. If you'd like to get your message on the Atlanta Startup Podcast, visit us at atlantastartuppodcast.com and look at our affordable rate card. All paid advertisements are tax deductible 
to the Startup Runway Nonprofit Foundation, a 501c3 whose mission is connecting underrepresented founders with their first investor.